Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. So the Apostles' Creed, we are in week six, and let's read it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This is week six in our series, and today I want to bring our attention to these three statements in the Apostles' Creed. We can go to the next slide. I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. As I mentioned earlier, the Apostles' Creed is rooted in the life and teachings of Jesus. So what exactly did Jesus say about the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection of the body and life everlasting? Well, let's read it here together in John chapter 5, beginning in verse 24. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, You know, we don't talk like that anymore. But back in that day, if you were to translate that to modern-day vernacular, it's as if Jesus is saying, hey, listen up, look here. He said, what I'm saying to you right now is straight up. It doesn't get any more real than this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. That reference there is an Old Testament title. The Jews in those days would understand that it was uh, referring to the Messiah. And they would understand that he was saying, I am the Messiah. Because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now in this passage, there's a tension. In the beginning, Jesus is saying, you know, on the one hand, the key to eternal life is hearing God and believing in him. And yet toward the end of this passage, we read that it's about whether or not we have done good or whether or not we have done evil. And whenever you have a situation in the Bible where there are, there are ideas that are seemingly contradictory, I want to share with you a rule of thumb to apply. And that is in 2 Timothy 3.16, the Apostle Paul said, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And so keeping that in mind that all Scripture is inspired by God, uh, here is how we should approach Scripture. 
if there's something I don't quite understand, let's just assume that God is right and I still need to figure it out. I still need some pieces of the puzzle. I still need to connect, to connect some dots because I don't understand it yet. But that still raises the question, how can I be assured of whether or not I have forgiveness? It's human to think that we have to be good enough to gain God's favor. You know, at the end of my life, if the good outweighs the bad, maybe I go, maybe I don't. A lot of people aren't sure. Or we can expect the opposite. I can expect that I will have to suffer because of wrongdoing. God doesn't ask us to suffer with him. That's a popular thought this season right now in many places in the world. But God doesn't ask us to suffer with him, but rather to accept the gift of his suffering as an atonement so that we can have eternal life. More simply, God doesn't ask ask us to suffer with him, but to trust him for eternal life. The difference is whether or not you're trusting in yourself or whether or not you're trusting in him and what he can do. When we talk about where do we go from here, where do we go from this life, who are we trusting? Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And I want us to focus on the two verbs that we have highlighted there, hearing and believing. These are the two things that we need to do. And it's very easy to be spiritual or even be religious and go through rituals and yet miss the meaning of what God is trying to say. And it takes a certain sensitivity to hear God's voice. And I want to ask you that today. You know, am I hearing God? Am I sensitive to his presence and the activity of God? And am I able to perceive what it is that God is trying to say to me? What is it that God is doing? The first example I can recall in my own life, I was 14 years old. I was living here on Guam. And in my room, the window faced west. And so I saw some beautiful sunsets out of that window. And one day the curtain was closed except for maybe a six-inch path. I could see an opening through the window and I could see the skyline. And it was twilight. And I happened to be laying in my bed and I was resting. And I was just closing my eyes. And I must have been there 15, 20 minutes or so. And then in a moment I opened my eyes just as fast as you might blink them shut. And in that split second that I opened my eyes, a shooting star went right down the opening that I could see through my window where the curtain was open. And I was taking a geometry class at the time, and I started thinking about, wow, the earth is rotating at so many thousands of miles per hour, and then it's rotating around the sun, and there's this asteroid traveling through space, and I happen to be living on this little island in the middle of nowhere, and my eyes are closed, and I happen to open them, and right at that moment, it shoots right down that opening that I can see in the curtain, and my mind just started going, wah, 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 wah. And I tell you, it did something inside me. For the first time, I thought, man, there's something more. There's something more. How did we get here? Is this just coincidence? Why are we here? 
And I just started to ponder that in my heart, and I started searching. And little did I know that God was drawing me to himself. Later, I would read this verse in Psalm 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. You know, for the first time, I heard something. I didn't know what it was at the moment, but it got me to start searching. I heard something. But I have to tell you this, it's not enough just to hear. We also have to believe. And belief in the Bible is more than just giving intellectual assent. It's more than just saying, oh yeah, I believe in certain physical laws of the universe or this philosophy or that philosophy. It's about where do you put your confidence? Where do you put your trust? What are you relying on? What is your conviction? In Acts chapter 10, verse 43, Luke wrote, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, I know most of you in this room have already done that. But I want you to think about that more deeply for a moment. What does it mean that your sins are forgiven? Think about that. And I'd like to help you with that by doing this. If you would just look at this timeline At the beginning of time, there is the creation of the universe. And then 2,000-some years ago, Jesus was born. And then he began his public ministry. And at the beginning of that, he was baptized by water and by the Spirit. And he began to reveal his true identity. And he began to gather a group of men that he would disciple. We call that life group here at Life in the Sun. But he had his own life group. And he began to teach them about the kingdom of God. And then he was crucified. And he was buried. And then on the third day, he was raised again from the dead. And these were events that changed the course of history forever. So here's my question for you. At the time, we can go to the next slide, that Jesus died... How many of your sins were in the future? At the time that Jesus died, how many of your sins were in the future? Are we here? From the moment you were born to the very last breath that you will take, how many of your sins were in the future when Jesus died and rose again? Yes, all of them. Just think about that for a moment. Every single one was already paid for. I want to ask you this question. How does it feel to know that all of your sins are forgiven? Just ponder that for a moment in your heart. How does it feel to know that all of your sins are forgiven? And you know what? The good news gets even better. Jesus put it this way in verse 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. 
those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, regarding those who hear and believe and receive, Paul used an illustration from nature. He said, you know, when you plant a seed in the ground, it dies as a seed. It dies in its present form. But what comes out of that seed is a living organism that's of a whole different realm, a whole different category. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, 42, Paul said, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so we shall bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Now, there is some question about the timing of this. There are different views because one passage of Scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And there are other Scriptures that say, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So which is it? Do I go to be with the Lord immediately? Or is it at the last trumpet that the dead shall rise? Remember the rule of thumb I said earlier. If there is some thoughts that seem contradictory to me, let's just assume that God is right and there are some things I need to put together. Paul said all scripture is inspired by God. So here's the thing. If it's in the Bible, it's true. I may not understand how both can simultaneously exist, but both are true. Both views are true, although I'm having trouble connecting the dots. So maybe this will help trying to put it together. In death, as our bodies become dust, our spirits return to God who made them, where they are made perfect. As the writer of Hebrews states, the spirits of righteous men made perfect. At the final resurrection, our bodies will be united to our spirits. That's Romans 8.23. At which time our bodies will be incorruptible and imperishable, no longer subject to sin and death. And that's going to be a good feeling. <laughs> so both statements are true. At the point of death, we go to be with the Lord, and at the last trumpet, our bodies will be resurrected and united with our spirits. So in this passage, Jesus not only speaks about the resurrection of the body, he also teaches about everlasting life. In verse 24, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And in this passage, the phrase eternal life has two meanings. The first meaning is all about our relationship with God. Jesus said this, is, and he said this in John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so a lot of people think of eternal life in terms of time. And oftentimes we think it starts after we die. But Jesus did not define it in terms of time. He defined it in terms of a relationship. He said it's all about knowing him and knowing the Father. And so how can you have eternal life? I want to come back to that first statement about some people think of it in terms of time. 
I just want to put that in perspective by sharing with you a little illustration. I'm going to grab something over here in the corner of the stage. Somebody uh, was leaving Island, and, and they gave me this rope, and it's been sitting in my storage room for a while. But I thought this would help illustrate the point. Now just imagine that this represents your life. And imagine that it represents your life going on forever. This rope, just imagine it, I mean, just imagine it keeps going out into space and it never ends. Actually, it doesn't. It just ends right over there in the little walkway there. (laughs) But this represents eternity. And this little piece right here represents this life. Just this short little span. And so many people focus on this short little span right here. Now, I saw a post on Facebook. It said, he who has the most toys wins. I'm like, really? Is that what it's all about? And yet sometimes we live like that. We're like, you know what? I'm going to work real hard this first 50, 60 years so I can enjoy the last 10 or 20 or hopefully maybe 30. I'm like, really? Is that what you're going to live for? Because we have all this <laughs> to consider. And the Bible says that what I do right in here, specifically what I do and the choice that I make about how I respond to God, will determine what happens with the rest of this for all of eternity. So, how can I have eternal life? Well, first thing to keep in mind, first thing to remember, is that eternal life is not a thing. Eternal life is a person. In today's passage, Jesus put it this way. He said, As the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. The Apostle John said it this way. He said, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his... That's where we get the name of our church. Jesus said it most clearly when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the... Yes. And so here's the point. Eternal life is a person. Eternal life is not something you developed through your best effort. Eternal life is someone that you receive. You receive eternal life by receiving Jesus through his unconditional love, not by doing good things. Good things will arise out of receiving him, as a result of receiving him. But it's not the other way around. We receive eternal life and forgiveness of sins through believing and trusting in what Jesus has done, not what we have done. Amen.